season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast. Today we have A3 Trojan outfielder, Florida native, and 2024 commit to South Florida baseball. We got Nick Cucci on the podcast. Nick, super uh, to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on. Hey, of course. I know it's been a long time in the making. It was a while back. We kind of first got connected, so I'm glad to finally get it going, finally get you on the schedule. Uh, but no, man, before we kind of dig into the baseball side of things, um, I do have one question that I kind of like to ask everybody just to get it started, kind of get you guys comfortable talking about yourselves, talk, just talking into the microphone. I mean, that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Nick Cucci? Man, that's a, it's kind of a hard question, but I kind of got to go with the obvious one. I, I'm just, I love to play baseball. It's my passion. You know, it's, it's what I love to do. All right, there Sorry. we go. Simple, simple and easy. But uh, no, let's let's dig into the recruiting process a little bit. Kind of what ended you up at USF? Um, to just take us through what that recruiting process was like, kind of how it got started, and what were some of those teams who were reaching out to you to begin with? Yeah, so it was kind of fast. Um, for me, the recruiting process wasn't very long. Um, I think I first I first got scouted by USF at a high school game. Um, a USF commit pitcher was throwing. And our uh, our coach ended up going there and seeing me. I uh, I didn't have a great game, um, but my mentality was good. And I threw a guy out at the plate from right field. So that kind of like sparked everything. And then um, other than USF, I talked to Louisville, UCF, um, a couple other Florida schools. Uh, but it was really the coaching staff for me that, you know, got me to USF. It was – they – they really care about you and they they want to see you do well in high school and they really care about development once you're there. Like that's yeah. that's it. So. You said that recruiting process to USF was pretty short. So how how deep in conversations did you get with with UCF and Louisville, considering that you kind of re- uh, committed to USF fairly early? Um, UCF was getting really close. Um, they were about to give me an offer, but I didn't really I mean, this is just me personally. I didn't really. Um, like the way that they um, talked to me, it was just, it wasn't as personal as it was with USF. And I really wanted to stay in Florida. So that was a big thing for me. So Louisville was like really cool, but I, you know, I had my heart set on staying in Florida. It wasn't as much, you know, wanting to go somewhere else because I have bright futures and the academic stuff to be in Florida. So that was also a big part and staying home because I like, I like living here. Of course. So actually, you do you live at home now when you are at the A3 Academy then? Yes. Okay. And do you plan on living at home when you go to USF? Um, I don't think you can for the first year. You have to live on campus. But after that, like, if it saves me money, that's definitely a possibility. Okay. So what were some of those initial conversations like with USF, UCF, and Louisville? Um, kind of compare what those initial conversations were like and potentially um, if they went about it like different ways. Yeah, um, the Louisville coach and the USF coach both had really, really similar um, communication. Like they asked how the family was. They asked my grades, all of that before even talking about baseball. Um, USF asked me what were some interests I had outside of baseball, um, like friends and like playing instruments, stuff like that. Um, Louisville did the same thing, um, but UCF they talked about their program a little bit more and that's fine, but that's just what they, how they did it, how they went about the method um, and the facilities. Cause they have really nice facilities. So they were talking about that too. Um, but yeah, USF just had more of a connection, you know, personally with me. Yeah. So when it came to USF, besides that personal connection, what was it about USF that kind of made you commit so early within, within your career and kind of so early into the recruiting process? Yeah. So obviously getting to stay home, be with my family was a really big um, upside with USF because it's literally 20 minutes away from my house. So I could be here with all of them. 
Um, and my offer is pretty good too. So that obviously was, was like kind of drew me in, um, made it a hard, hard decision. So, but yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Okay. So how, how long did those conversations last from the first time you got connected with that USF coaching staff to where like they offered you and then you actually did commit? Yeah. So I got offered at a camp. Um, so I got offered in person and from the time that I started talking to them to the camp was probably about three months, maybe. I think it was like two to three months, uh, which is relatively short. Um, but yeah, and after that, it was a month and then I made the decision. Okay. So four months total. Okay. So with you in Tampa, was that camp the first time you were actually on the USF uh, campus and the USF baseball facility? Or had you been there before kind of just going there um, just for, for fun? No, so something that's crazy is I actually grew up going to their camps. They're like the little kids camp. So I always really liked the, the school and the program. And Shane McClanahan was my uh, like bowl of the week, like leader. So that was pretty cool, like getting to shadow him and then seeing his progression to the to the pros. And uh, but, yeah, I've always liked the school. Both my parents went there. So we go to the football games. Like, I've always been around the culture there, and I like it. I do. I mean, Shane McClanahan has to be what the biggest alumni to come from USF. I feel like when I think of USF, yeah. I think of Shane McClanahan. Um, so yeah. when you say when you say Bowl of the Week, what exactly is that? And then what was that like for that whole week where you kind of got to shadow him? Yeah, it was cool. So he was um, the coach. So every they, – they split you into groups by grade. So all the groups had their specific coach and the coach was a player at USF. So it was pretty cool. So we got to like get pointers and tips by, with him. And I mean, he was a pitcher, but he could still give you other tips because we're, we're young. And um, they would pretty much walk us through positions and stations, depending on where you played and hitting. And it was, it was always so much fun getting to go there and play on the big college field, especially as a little kid. Yeah, it was awesome. Whoa, you know. Yeah, so kind of take us through. Obviously, you went to those little kids camps as a kid at the U at USF, but then you actually go to a USF camp that's actually for recruits. So kind of take us through that day a little bit to where you're, you know, you're trying to show off to the coaching staff, and then you actually end up getting that offer that day. So kind of take us through that a little bit. So it was fun. Um, we did like a little pro style workout beforehand with the uh, the velos, and then hitting velo, and then we hit live on the field. And then we went into a game portion where we were facing live pitching and um, I actually hit a home run um, that day. And so that was, that was pretty awesome getting to round the bases there. But um, afterwards they kind of pulled me off to the side, gave me the offer and that was awesome. But it was all around. It was just a fun day. Yeah. Like I had fun just being there around all the kids. I think one other kid got an offer there. So it was really cool. Yeah. So with you kind of being that hometown kid, do you have any relationships with some other USF commits who are going there these next couple of years? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, through social media, I know some of them. Uh, but Matt Rose, who's there now, he goes to Calvary. So I know him or he went to Calvary before he went to USF. So I like know him through baseball and stuff. Um, but a lot of the other guys are up in Jacksonville and Fort Myers, but I still know them because we're all located pretty much in the same vicinity like Florida you know so the it's cool like we already have sort of like a connection before we're even on campus so yeah. it's pretty cool so how's your relationship with that USF coaching staff how has that evolved since you've committed yeah it's pretty good um especially after my injury like they're really looking out for me and you know checking up on me every once in a while like hey how you doing um really excited to you know see your progression through the injury um but yeah, I mean, it's gotten pretty strong. Like, Wit, our pitching coach is awesome, and Bo, he would always he'll give me like little hitting pointers and tips. Um, some of them are kind of funny, but they work. Yeah. So I like the coaches there a lot. So how long how long has that USF coaching staff been there? Like, when you were going to those kids camps, was it the same coaching staff, or has it since changed since you were a kid at the kids camps? I think it's been since twenty. I think it's like twenty eighteen. It's relatively recent. Um, they, they had a cleaning and it's, it's a new staff, but they've been really good. And there's 
they say there's big things coming with the program, so I'm excited. Yeah. And when was it that McClanahan went through there? Um, I think it was honestly, I don't I was young. I was like seven or eight. So probably like eight years ago. Okay. So yeah. have you gotten a chance to kind of meet with McClanahan at all since he was kind of your bowl of the week? Or was that kind of the last time you were ever in contact with him? So I didn't realize it. Um, I don't know why, but I was actually at a game and he was sitting like three seats down for me. And then as we were leaving, I noticed that he was there and I was like, man, I could have talked to him, but he'll, he'll be there again. I I'm sure. Cause he's from here and he went to the school. So I bet he'll be at other games. Yeah. But um, so talking about the relationship with the coaching staff, obviously after with you being in 2024, after September 1st, it was kind of like gave you guys more free range to talk to each other. So how has that changed since before September 1st compared to after now that you were able to kind of like call each other whenever you want instead of just kind of like texting and kind of hoping for a call? Yeah, um, it's it's not that much different because we're not texting up a storm all the time. Yeah, But it's nice to be able like for him to just call you, like call you instead of, you know, have Nick call me at this time. That was kind of, it was difficult to, the communication just wasn't always there, but it's really nice also that they can text back. That's a, that's, it's super, I can just have like an easy text conversation about how my rehab is doing instead of having to like have my coach tell me to call him and it's just a whole ordeal. So it's just made it a lot easier. So before that September 1st, what coach was it kind of, that was kind of helping you out the most when it came to the USF coaching staff, texting whoever, um, to text them or to call them. Yeah, it's always been the head recruiting coordinator, Coach Durkak. He's the one who still is the one who leads, like, most of our communication. <coughs> so, yeah. well, okay, so on, on your side of things, like, is it your high school? Is it the well, is it the A3 coach? Is it the travel ball coach who's kind of, like, kind of doing the texting for you? Or at that point, is it just the recruiting rec- – you're, you're texting the recruiting coordinator? Um, it's been my A3 coaches. Okay. So digging into A3 a little bit, like I said, I've never had a guy from A3 come on the podcast. I had Mikey Casino on before he actually went to A3. So really, I mean, I just kind of know you guys from the website and kind of seen your guys' social media. So let's kind of dig into A3 a little bit, kind of what it's all about. So kind of take us through uh, maybe your freshman year when you actually played actual high school ball compared to um, getting connected with A3 and kind of how that whole process went to uh, transferring there. Yeah, so I was at Bishop. And we were a pretty good high school. We made it to the regional finals. And that was our first year with a new coach, new team. Like, all of us came in. And so that was our first year, all of us playing. Um, and it was really fun. But the issue was, like, we would be in school. And the schooling's hard there. So we would be in school. Um, and me, I was taking harder classes just in general. So I would be going from school to practice. And then I'd be up to, like, 1 or 2 a.m. doing homework. Cause I had a ton of homework and I had to get up at, you know, five thirty six, And it was just, it was a cycle and it was exhausting, especially mentally exhausting. And um, that's a big thing I've seen change at a three is like, we have time to do our schoolwork and we get our work done, but we're spending a large majority of our time practicing when we would be sitting in school, waiting for the bell to end type of thing. Yeah. Um, so what's so what does that average day look like at A3, uh, just Monday through Friday? Like, I know when I talk to a guy from P27, they I think they have class. I think the way his schedule set up is it's like college where he has class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and he does a little bit more training on Tuesday, Thursday. So when it comes to A3, how does your guys' like day-to-day schedule look like Monday through Friday? So I do online school, and my online school is flex, so I'm able to do it whenever I want. Um, so that's really nice. Um, any time of the day, I can just access it and do it. So, but the average day A through really varies. Like it depends. It's never 100% the same. Um, but if I had to say like the most, you know, normal day, I'll get to practice at 10, 10, 10 is when our practice starts. So I'll get to practice at probably around, uh, 945. Um, and we'll go at the field. So we'll go at the field from, 10 until 11 30 or 12 and then we'll have 30 minutes to get to our facility to hit and lift and then we'll all be there until like 3 3 30 
So that would be the average day. And obviously you're eating lunch in between. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll hit and lift there uh, until around 3.30. Okay. So how would you compare the training you're doing at A3 compared to what you were doing at Bishop? Oh, it's, like what, what, what's the differences there? It's night and day difference. Like at Bishop, we would maybe be in the weight room two days a week, maybe if we were lucky. Uh, baseball was getting trumped by football every time. Yeah. Um, our practices would be probably two hours and most of it um, you wouldn't be getting straight reps. You'd be just, you know, not standing around, but like you're not actively doing something the whole time um, waiting for other people to do their reps where at A3, it's like the intention is to get as many reps as possible and quality reps. So we're getting quality reps all the time, every single day. And it's awesome. Um, and our lifts, we're with Nicole Gabriel, and she's she's a premier trainer here. She trains a lot of the Rays guys. Jordan Alvarez is in there, like a lot of big MLB names. And, you know, she takes the time to train us. And so she writes our workouts and our program. So it's much more focused on making us better. Whereas at Bishop, it was just like the coaches did what best what, what they had. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't have much to – yeah, so it was, it's just so much better. We have all the resources at A3 um, to make players better and get guys committed who need to be committed or get guys drafted. Like, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So you said this is the – you said last spring was the second year of A3 or this upcoming spring is the second year of A3? Last spring was the second year. Okay, so with this being the third year, I mean, as I go through the roster, I mean, you – I see a I see a couple other USF commits – like I said, Mikey Casino committed to Tennessee for the class of 2025. And I'm sure there are other guys who I've kind of like come across. So I just don't, don't realize are at A3. But what yeah. do you think has led to like all the quick success that A3 has had just three years into it as an academy? And they already have guys like yourself and Mikey and all those type of guys. Um, Just word of mouth. Like we Tampa's a really concentrated area with good ball. So like when – you know, a bunch of guys that are really good are coming to a program. People are going to be like, what are they doing? You know? So that's kind of drawn a lot of the best players in to play with us, I would say. And the competition we're playing is way above the competition that a normal high school would be playing. Yeah. So we're playing JUCOs. So we're going to be playing all the junior colleges in Florida, whereas a high school is going to play the high schools. So it's completely yeah. So when it came time for you to actually choose to go to A3 and kind of move away from Bishop a little bit and transfer, um, were there some other academies that you were looking at or was A3 kind of just a perfect fit? Because, I mean, you live in Tampa and it's based out of Tampa. Yeah, I just went straight to A3. There was no decision there. OK. And then what what are those classes like? What like what are the I mean, obviously, with the online, that's a little bit of a difference. But what are the classes like when it comes to like just the topics that you're learning about or just like the overall topics of your your classes? Like school-wise? Yeah. Um, school is done um, just online with Florida Virtual School. So it, the school has nothing to do with A3. But um, it's it's nice being able to do the school whenever you want as opposed to, you know, this is the time you do science. This is the time you do math, like yeah. in school. So it's nice to have that freedom for yourself to get stuff done. Yeah. So moving it back up to moving it back down to Bishop, your freshman year, uh, kind of take us through what I mean, I, people always say Florida, Texas, Georgia, California, Arizona. That's kind of like that top five when it comes to top tier high school baseball. So kind of take us through what that competition level is like in Florida high school baseball. Um, It's pretty good when you're in the private schools, but public school baseball, especially in Tampa, isn't very good. I mean, there's a couple good ones, but I mean, nothing too crazy. But in the private school area, like we would play IMG Academy. They were insane. Like, and I was a freshman playing them. So I was, it was crazy when we got to play them. It was really fun. Um, but there's some other really good schools here in Tampa, like Berkeley and Jesuit, Tampa Jesuit They're They're all good. Like they've got dudes on all their squads, but just Compared to playing JUCOs with the academy, it's not even close. Okay. So what's your schedule look like at A3 when it comes down to the spring? I know you mentioned JUCO, but I, that's like only in the fall, correct? Or do you play JUCOs in the spring too? We play them in the spring. 
Okay. So kind of take us through what that spring schedule is like and kind of just the different potential academies or JUCOs that you guys are playing. Yeah. So um, I don't know our whole spring schedule. I don't think it's come out yet, um, but we will definitely be playing a lot against some of the top JUCOs in Florida. Um, we'll go to the Academy showdown in Hoover and we'll play like P27 and some other really good academies. Uh, we last year we played reborn with Charlie Soto. Uh, so we got to face him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we face a lot of really good academies as well, not just high school teams. Okay. So you mentioned, so you mentioned Hoover there, which is a pretty big travel ball destination as well. Um, so digging into travel ball just a little bit. When it comes to when you're playing for the used to be Ohio Warhawks, War you said something like what, Golden Connection now or something? Gold culture, yes. Gold culture, okay. So when it comes down to travel ball and you're going around the country to Hoover, to Care, uh, potentially going to Cary, I'm not sure if you've been there before, um, and then like Lake Point, East Cobb, um, I know Jupiter, obviously with the WWBA the past uh, couple of weeks ago. What is your, when it comes to that, what is your favorite facility to play at? Man, uh, favorite facility to play at? Um, I don't know. I love East Cobb, um, but – I something about Lake Point. I just really like Point. Lake Point's fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both. I mean, Atlanta is pretty blessed to have East Point and Lake. uh, Sorry, East Cobb and Lake Point. Uh, But no, uh, I went to East Cobb here this past summer for the first time, and I was amazed. And then as I was talking to people, they were like, "Well, if you're amazed here, you got to go to Lake Point." So I'm, I'm excited next summer to go there and kind of check it all out and see what's going on. Uh, But no, let's let's kind of dig into how you got connected with your travel ball team. And just overall, I mean, with them being in Ohio, from what I hear, the Ohio Warhawks, before they converted to the new team that they're on, um, how did you kind of get connected with them? Um, so I played in the Prospect Wire All-American Games. I played there at Vandy. And my coach for the team I was playing on, he, he was a coach for the Warhawks before he went to Dayton, University of Dayton. Uh, he's a coach there now. Um, but so he knew I needed a team to go to because I wanted to kind of transfer out of the local team I was playing on onto a more uh, upscale team. And he, he sent me a text and I was like, yeah, I'll come play for you. And so then um, that was last, that was before uh, the fall of last year. Um, so yeah, ever since then I've been, I've been loving it playing with them. Okay, so how's your relationship now with that coach? Now you said it was last fall, so now that you've gotten to play a full summer with him, uh, kind of what's your relationship been like and how has it evolved since you kind of got first connected with him? Yeah, it's been great. Um, he's not really running this this stuff there anymore because he's he's now, but I've had a really, really close relationship with um, our other coach, Coach Rossi and coach Vaughn, both of them, I've had a great relationship with them. I've, he invited me to stay at his house um, after I got injured and needed somewhere to, to stay because my parents weren't coming up to watch me not play, yeah. but it was awesome getting to stay with him and his kids and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm really close with them. Uh, so it's great. It's always a great time playing with those guys. I'm sure. So kind of, you, you mentioned the prospect prospect wire all American game there for a second. Also, yeah. you were also part of the perfect game all American game, I believe as well, right? Yeah. The junior national one, junior national one. Okay. So let's kind of dig into both of those and kind of how they're similar, how they're different and kind of just how your, both your experiences were uh, just digging into prospect wire first, obviously Vanderbilt, one of the premier baseball schools in the country. So what was that like playing in Nashville, playing at Vandy? And what was that competition level like at, at the prospect prospect wire all American game? It was sick. Um, playing at Vandy was awesome. We got a tour of their facility. It was super fun. Um, that was probably a little more fun than the perfect game event, just because uh, the atmosphere was better. The Prospect Wire guys really are like, hey, let's go. Come on now. Like, they're rooting you on. Um, and I had a really good relationship with the head guy at Prospect Wire, Juan Fontella. But he stepped down. Um, but still, it was it was a lot of fun playing there. Um but also playing in the twenty to twenty twenty four the junior the junior national that was fun too. Especially I hit a home run and it was it was on TV and everything, so that was super cool. Um, that's actually where I got injured too. But um, other than that, it was it's it's always fun playing with perfect game on the big spotlight. So. 
So take us through what the day-to-day was like at both of those events. So obviously it's called the All-American Game, but is it an event that's like multiple days spread out or is it just like one event, one game? Like how how, how do both of those work? Yeah, both of them were two days. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, both of them were two games and two days. So the first day for both of them was the workout day with all the velos, the times, everything like that. And then the second day was the games. Um, and the games are always crazy. The energy's high because everyone wants to show up. You know what I'm saying? And the pitchers are pumping. So it's always it's it's always a great time. It's summer. Everyone's having fun. Yeah. So. And then did, did then did you get to take part in Jupiter um, a couple of weeks ago at the WWBA? No, I'm still coming back. I'm still rehabbing. Okay. All right. So I'm um, just kind of you still got one more season of travel ball left. All of it's the year between the summer between your junior and senior season. Um, but as kind of as you look back at your entire travel ball career, I guess even your high school career so far as well, I'm um, kind of just looking back at it. Like, what has been some of your favorite memories that have just you've been a part of so far in your baseball career? Um, man, that's that's a crazy one. Um, I got so when I was, I think this was my eighth grade summer. I got invited to go to the junior future games, and that was a great time. That was at Lake Point. Um, that was the first time I went to Lake Point and I was on team Florida and that was, that was sick. It was the first time I ever did anything like a showcase and, um, I was so nervous, but it ended up being like the most fun, fun event. Um, the prospect wire all American was also up there too. Just getting to go there. Um, all the big guys, talent bell and Flannery was there. Everyone. So it was super fun. Um, Man, travel ball has just been a great time. I love I just I love to play baseball, so just being on the field is awesome. I'm sure. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to most as you head into your final travel ball season, final time playing for the old Ohio Warhawks times you say, sorry, is it gold connection or I keep I keep forgetting. Gold culture. Yeah. Gold it's culture. I, okay. All right. I so just, as you as you look forward to your final season of travel ball playing for gold culture, uh, what yes. are you looking forward to most? Um, I'm excited to go to Cary because we're going to Cary and you see, you talked about that, but I'm really excited to do that. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to Phoenix, so that'll be cool too. Um, and hopefully trying to, you know, make the ECP, the PDP, all that stuff. Um, we'll see what happens, but I'm really excited to try and do all that stuff. The, um, perfect game national at the TROP. I'm excited for that too. That's all going to be super fun. <laughs> and when when does the PG National invites go out? Like, when do you think you're expecting to be like notified whether or not you'll be you'd be a part of that or not? Um, I do not know. I just I remember getting an email and being super excited to go to Junior National last year. So, but I don't know. I I'd have to check on that. Okay. So with you formerly being a two way player, you said now that the chances are you'll probably just be an be an outfielder. Um, just going to all these different events, playing for the uh, gold gold culture and A3 and all the all these just playing up against great competition. Who do you think has been the best hitter and the best pitcher that you have faced in your career so far? Ooh, the best hitter? Man, I, I don't know. I didn't really pitch that much. Um, so surprising that I got injured, but I never really pitched that much. So I don't know who the best hitters were. I faced a couple commits at junior national. I struck one of them out, but I don't, I don't know his name, Um, but the best pitchers. So I did face Charlie Soto. He's a really good pitcher. Um, He's, he was, he was fuzzing the ball. Um, And then this kid from, I don't even know his name, but we played Miami Dade college and he was throwing 97 and he was humming it. He was like six foot four. So he he's probably one of the best, just hardest arms I've ever had to face. Okay. Um, yeah, Charlie Soto, I would say, is probably the best pitcher I faced. All right. So digging, so just digging into A3 just a little bit more before we kind of dig into like your hitting approach, hitting mindset, stuff like that. Um, you said last year was your first year at A3. So guy, take us through what that season was like, how you played, how the team played. And then maybe what the outlook is on this upcoming spring as you guys head into the 2023 season. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't play that good the beginning of the spring last year, but I ended up picking it up towards the end and I, it, it was awesome. Um, but our team is really good. Last year we had an insane pitching staff. Our guys were awesome. They pitched so well for us all year. Um, this year we're more of a hitter oriented team because our pitchers are younger guys, but they're still really good. It's just not really comparable because they were seniors and these guys are younger. So we'll see how they do, but they've so far they've performed pretty well, but our hitters this year can absolutely mash. So I'm super excited to see how they. So at at academies like a three, are there um, like a varsity JV, like freshman team or how exactly does that go about at academies like a three? Yes, we actually have, I think it's three teams. So we have our national team, our like varsity JV team, and then our post-grad team. Um, so that's kind of how it works. Okay. And then, for, and then I'm going to take it for the most part, the national team is majority upperclassmen and then maybe a couple underclassmen who are just dominant. And then that varsity JV is kind of just freshmen, sophomores. I'm going to go ahead and assume. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so with you kind of being a junior, and obviously you're one of those few guys who are committed to a very good baseball program on that roster right now. Are you kind of looked at as a leader in that locker room right now? Or do you kind of like to stay back, kind of just play your game and kind of um, show just show out on the field? Yeah, I would like to think of myself as a, a leader. Um, we also have other guys who are older who are also committed. And, you know, they kind of take a lot of that, like, on themselves but I would say for the most part, like, especially in my grade, like I would say that I am one of the leaders on the team. Yeah. Okay. So I know we talked about it earlier, kind of, we, we touched on it a little bit about like your injury and how you're rehabbing right now. And you're kind of, for the most part from now on your career, you're probably going to be an outfielder might not step on the mound again, just because of the injury. So let's dig into it a little bit. So I, like I said, I've read your story a little bit on, I, I, I don't know. It was like, so it was some doctor site and you, you were like, you wrote a story about it. Um, so just kind of take us through what you were doing, what happened and just t- kind of take us through the event a little bit, man. So I was actually at junior national, like you said. Um, and I was, I just hit the home run and I went on the mound and I threw my inning and I struck the first batter out and these guys are pretty good. And they're going to hit fastballs. And my arm was kind of hanging from the day before doing the throws from the outfield. Um, so I was throwing mostly curveballs. And that being said, I'm on the second batter, I was a 3-2 count and I struck him out. And I felt like a pop um, in my elbow. And it didn't hurt. And then there was just like like a light, like tingly feeling. It just It just went right down my arm. And I was like, man, that does not feel right. It literally felt like you cracked your neck in your elbow. Like it doesn't hurt. It just, it was like, and I was like, oh no. So I ended up taking myself off the mound and getting a PG got me an appointment with the doctor. And then from there I got an MRI and they were like, yeah, you need surgery. So it was, it was crazy. It it happened really fast, um, but it happens. Injuries happen. Yeah. So after, after you get that surgery, kind of take us through what that day was like after surgery, like what, what your arm kind of felt like, and then just what the, that entire recovery process has been like. So I got my surgery from Andrew sports medicine and they're located in Birmingham. And it just so happened that the day I got surgery, my team was playing in Hoover. So fresh out of surgery. And I was like on the medicine and everything just coming out. Um, I was in my cast um, it did, my arm didn't hurt at all. Cause I was, I was pretty loopy and I went to the game and, and I was cheering on the team and it was probably one of the most fun baseball games I've ever watched. Cause I, I don't know. I was just, it was funny. And all my friends were laughing at me. All my teammates were laughing, but, um, that night was probably the most painful night because my arm was like, it, it just felt throbby. It felt like someone had a knife kind of just like moving it around a little bit. But that was the only night I had pain. Um, it was just that night. And I was on the medicine, so I don't know why it only hurt that night. But that's just. Yeah. So. After, I, <laughs> but no. Uh, so after after that night, you continue to go through that rec- recovery process. And obviously the recovery process is tough on on everybody. 
but what were some of those like those struggles and just maybe like mental roadblocks um, that you experienced just as you went through that recovery process, not really being able to train and just yeah. not being able to do everything that you're used to doing? Yeah, the the hardest part for sure was kind of being like, man, I just lost my summer, you know, because it happened at the beginning of the summer when I got injured, pretty much. I played like one or two tournaments and we still had like four or five left. So I was like, man, I missed that. I missed on area code. So there's a lot of stuff I was going to be doing. Um, I got invited to go to the PG thing in California or whatever, but I just, I couldn't do any of it. So that was kind of like, man. Um, but other than that, like my mental side was pretty good because my hitting coach was pounding it into me. He was like, man, this is going to be great. You're going to be better than ever when you come back. Like he kind of put me in that positive mindset. So from the start, I pretty much had a positive outlook on it. Like, man, it just, it happens. Injuries happen. Um, and that's kind of the way I've had to look at it. I can't regret it because that doesn't do any good. So I just, I had to start my rehab. And I think the hardest part with all of that was sitting for the six weeks or seven weeks, I think it was, and not being able to do anything. I'm sure. Just chilling on the couch, doing nothing. Um, I would hang out with some friends in my little cast, but that was probably the hardest part. Um, once I got back and started training again, getting my arm back healthy, it just, it, it was fine. I was good. And are you at a hundred percent right now? Or did you say you're still doing some rehab for it? Yeah. So my swing is back a hundred percent so I can hit fully, but I just got done with my throwing program last week and now I'm doing, so my throwing program only goes to 120. Um, so now I have to stretch it out. So I'll be game ready probably by January. So that's when good, good to go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's actually the perfect time to be good to go. Cause I mean, obviously right before this, right before the season starts, as long as you're not missing, missing any games there at a three, um, but no, let's, let's transition a little bit to when you actually are on, when you are on the field. Um, so let's kind of dig into your hitting approach a little bit. So kind of take yep. us through um, what it's like when you're, when you're in the batter's box or even when you're on the on deck circle, kind of what's going through your mind and what your approach is as you approach each at bat. Yeah. So I like to be calm, try to stay as calm as possible. So I like to breathe a lot when I'm in the batter's box, you know, kind of calm myself down. Um, I, I really, really focus on seeing the ball in my at-bats, just the best you can seeing the ball because I mean, you have to see the ball to hit it, but it makes it really simple is see the ball and hit it where it's pitched, you know, hitting, hitting where the pitcher's throwing the ball, not putting a perfect swing on your perfect pitch, you know? It's really just trying to trying to put a good swing on where the pitcher is going to throw it. And that's, that's what's led to my success. Okay. And then are you one of those type of guys that has a, like a big change in your swing or a big change in your approach when there comes to strikes or do you kind of keep it the same? Not, not really, to be honest. I, I wouldn't say there's that big of a change. I just, I really try, I try to see the ball better but I don't stride quite as much um and I really try to look for look for anything that's going to go into the dirt because to eliminate chases yeah. but other than not that much difference okay so if you had to dig through the mechanics of your swing I know you said there that you're not always trying to put that perfect swing on you're kind of there just seeing the ball but if you go if you do go through your mechanics and go through your swing, what is that perfect swing for you just from start to finish? Just kind of take us through those mechanics. So I have a low start, which is kind of uncommon. I kind of start at my chest and then I, I get to about here, which is like the power position. Most people get there somehow. Everyone pretty much gets to here. And then I just try to be as as quick through the zone, but stay in the zone as long as possible. So that's, that's what I focus on when I'm working on my swing is really getting through the zone and that snap. Um, that's a big part of when I was coming back. I was just really trying to feel that snap. Okay. So when you're watching yourself in the batter's box, watching yourself in the outfield, let's say you were a scout watching your game, writing a report on your, on your game, on yourself, what would be your personal scouting report? And, uh, I'm a take from what others have said about me. Um, I just, I always really try to, to be energetic and happy when I'm on the field. Um, 
And I really, really want to be the first one out, first one in, hustling all the time. That's something that I've always done um, because that just, I don't know, that keeps you in the game, but it looks really good and it makes it to where you're not, you know, being lazy. That's something I don't like at all. Um, so I'm always in the game. Uh, I'm always just trying to have as much fun as possible because if baseball is not fun, then why even play, you know? Of course. Um, yeah. So when you, when you are in the field playing the outfield, I'm going to go like from looking at you just through zoom, you look like your corner outfielder, but when you are in the outfield, like what, what part of the outfield are you playing? Yeah. So right now um, I'm behind Andrew who's probably going to get drafted, but so I'm in the corners right now, but I do run a six, six. So I'm, projected as a center fielder um but as of right now probably not next year but as of right now I'm in I'm in right field okay so do you think as you head to us as you head to usf the plan is probably to keep you in center field then yes okay that is cool so you mentioned a lot of great coaches who have been very influential within your career so far um the guy um at ohio the ohio warhawks slash gold gold culture always always messing that up but no uh, your your guy at Gold Culture, um, the guys at A3, so you have a great relationship with, and I'm sure there are other guys who have been very influential in your career. But if you had to go ahead and just pick two, three, even four guys who have been the most influential in your career, who would those people be? Man, um, my parents for sure. Without them, I couldn't do any of it. Um, the first person who probably really got me started if I hadn't met him, none of this would have happened is Mark Newman. He actually passed away. Um, I think it was last year, but he was the guy who um, oversaw all the A3 coaches before it became A3. Um, He was the player development coach for the Yankees. So he, I just happened to run into him when I was practicing one time and he was like, you got to come to my place. I didn't even know who he was. And then once I like found out and everything, I was there. Um, everything that I've done has really stemmed out of that place. So I'm really grateful to him for reaching out to me originally. Um, probably coach Shane at a three. I've been with him since I was 12 hitting. Um, so he's, he's been big in my baseball career. Um, yeah. I mean, those guys for sure. My parents, my mom, my dad. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So as you head into the future, um, you're looking at your game. You head to USF here in about a year and a half, two years. Uh, what are some of the biggest things within your game that you're trying to fix? Maybe consider even like your biggest weakness. Uh, like what would be a couple of those things you're trying to fix the most um, as you head into the future? Um, I would say from from the hitting whiff rate. So I want to put more consistent hard contact on the ball. Because when I hit it, it's usually hard. So an extra base hit or something like that. I just got to make more consistent contact. If I can do that, I'll be, I'll be good. Um, And from the outfield perspective, um, I would say getting not better jumps, but more consistent reads. Um, I mean, I'm pretty good in the outfield, but always getting more consistent reads would be better. (laughs) Of course. So when you're playing right field compared to center, like, is there a little different approach or a little different, I don't know, the way you look at it compared to right field to center field? Yeah, I do prefer center field so much more. Right field is a little bit more difficult because of the way that the ball, when hit off, most guys are righties. So when the ball's hit to right field, it's going to tail a lot. So you really got to be ready for that. Um, And that can be difficult to read sometimes. Um, But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the main thing that, I would much rather be in center because you can get more of a not you get a better read because it's straight on. So you can have the depth perception. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much the difference. All right. So, all right. So we've talked about baseball now for, I mean, it's been going on probably 45 minutes or so. So it's time to move on. Let's go dig into some stuff that's beyond the field. Maybe a little bit of business stuff, a little bit of stuff about your passions, your motivations. So like I said, I'm trying to be an agent here in a couple of years once I graduate from college. So whenever I get a player on who has advisors reaching out to him or actually has a draft advisor at the point, um, I kind of like to dig into it and kind of see how advisors reached out. What were some things that you guys were looking for? Um, so, so just digging into it. When was it that advisors kind of started reaching out to you? Oh, man, when was it? Um, I think it was probably around eight months ago. So it was, it was right after... It was, I think it was before our spring. 
at A3. So it was either before, during, or after our spring, uh, my spring last year at A3 was when they started to talk to me before okay. the summer. And then what, what was the main way that they were kind of reaching out to you? Was it in person, over text? I know some agents kind of use Instagram or Twitter DMs as well. Um, so what was that main way that people were reaching out? Yeah, one one was in person. Uh, he saw me at East Cobb. He saw me at uh, down in Fort Myers um, in the fall and one other place. I think it was, where, what, where was it? I think it was Fort Myers twice. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw him in person several times. And then the other guys, they DM me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. A lot. I mean, so, I mean, obviously I've had multiple internships within the agency business and some agents like just say, oh, absolutely no social media DMs. And some agents are like, why not? I mean, if it's an easy way to contact them, just reach out. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of different perspectives when it comes to that. No, but as you kind of continue through this process, and I'm sure more advisors will reach out as you get closer to that 24 draft or closer to going to USF. Um, but no, what, what would be some key things that you'd be looking for within an agency and with it, within that actual individual agent um, before choosing them? Yeah, um, someone that's going to obviously get me to make the right decisions or help lead me with the right decisions. But Really, it's just if they have my best interests instead of theirs. So, like, not just trying to make money, but actually cares about, you know, what the person is going to do beyond beyond the next steps in their baseball career. Like, not someone who just wants money. That's a big thing. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the thing there. And uh, I wouldn't say the size matters as much because a lot of people talk about the size of the agency. But obviously that probably helps a little bit, but I don't think that's as much of an issue with me. Yeah. So what are the relationships you have with some of those guys who have reached out so far? Um, I mean, I have a decent relationship. Um, it's just kind of like, hey, how are you doing? Doing pretty well type of thing once a month or something. But I haven't really made a decision yet fully on who I'm going to work with. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I just like to ask you guys just those couple questions. I don't like, obviously, I mean, I know a lot of that's personal. Uh, but I kind of yeah. like to ask those couple questions where you like most players feel comfortable answering those uh, just to kind of get a feel for it, just to kind of see uh, what goes through players' minds as they go through the advisor process. Um, just because I'm, I'm probably a year and a half away, or, I mean, I actually have a, I have a meeting with a potential, with a potential player I'm building a relationship with soon. So, you know, I mean, every little information I get helps, uh, but let's kind of, let's kind of dig into just yourself off the field a little bit, kind of letting the fans know who you are besides as a ball player. Um, so when you're not playing baseball and you're not on that baseball field, what are some passions that you have? Okay. I love going to the beach. That is like my favorite thing. Um, getting some friends, going to the beach. Um, I haven't skimboarded since I hurt myself, but I'm pretty good at skimboarding. So I love doing that. Um, obviously we're close to the beach, so I go there quite a bit, but that's probably one of my favorite things. Uh, I play guitar, but not as much as I wish I could um, just because of school and baseball and everything. But yeah, those two things, I, I love the beach a lot. <laughs> so you say the beach, I'm sure with you being in Tampa, I'm sure you go there quite a bit, but yeah. skimboarding, what, what is that? I I'm from Indiana. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know what the hell that is. So let's what, so what exactly is skimboarding? So imagine surfing. It's like surfing, but we're on yeah. the Gulf don't get many waves that are big enough to surf at all like we get yeah. no no waves so it's a board a lot like a surfboard but it's thinner and you throw it not on the ground but like where the water is about to end and then come back so you throw it there and the water's probably about this deep and then you jump on it and it slides so like skims the water and then if you get good enough you can actually skim into the deep water but that's more difficult because it'll just sink. I'm sure so you have to have like a technique with it. Um, and if there are little waves, you can like do a trick or something. But um, that's pretty much skimboarding. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I do used to do it all the time, all the time. So, so have you been to other beaches besides the ones in, in Tampa? Yeah, I've been to Daytona Beach, um, pretty much all of the uh, other coast beaches and then Myrtle Beach um Myrtle Beach is nice but so how so 
I mean, I've been to Daytona Beach as well. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I feel like that's not, I mean, it's, it's a fun town to be a part of as like a college kid, but I don't think that's like considered like a nice town in a way, but um, how would you, how would you consider like compare the Atlantic ocean side to the Gulf? I know you say you guys don't get as much um, waves, but also I've heard that that Gulf coast is a lot cleaner than the Atlantic ocean side. But really, like I said, I'm from the Midwest. I really, I've been down to Florida one time, so I really don't know when it comes to that. So kind of take us through, like kind of compare uh, what it is Atlantic ocean side compared to the Gulf. It really depends on where you go on both sides because there's dirty beaches and beautiful beaches on both sides. Like Cocoa Beach on the Atlantic side is beautiful. And so is um, where I go most of the time, Madeira Beach. Um, but there's also bad ones on the Gulf side, like um, Clearwater can get pretty dirty. Um, so there's, it really just depends. But if you want more of like a chill place to go, you'll want to go to like uh, Paso Grill. It's, it's in Tampa, but it's on the Gulf side. Um, I don't go on the other coast as much because I don't have to, but I prefer the Gulf side just because I don't surf. So I don't need the big waves and it's more chill and you can swim better. It's I, I like it more on the Gulf side. Okay. You also said you play the guitar. So when did that start and kind of what was that motivation behind uh, kind of grabbing a guitar and trying to learn that? So my mom made me play an instrument because she wanted me to. Um, and I chose guitar. And so I started doing lessons when I was, when I was 10. So I've been doing it for seven, seven years now. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even that good. Like seven years sounds like a long time, but I'm not even that good because obviously I don't play it as much as I wish I could, but, uh, it's definitely fun. I'm trying to learn the electric guitar, but it's a lot different than the acoustic. I'm sure. Like, I, yeah. It's a pain to learn yeah, like, that. Yeah. The, you said acoustics, the name of like that regular guitar. Yeah. So like the, the normal wood looking guitar would be acoustic and you strum it and like you could play chords, um, with the electric, it's much more freehand. So like you're doing crazy stuff and like finger picking and it's, yeah. it's hard to learn the electric uh, for me at least. Okay. And then when you, when you're listening to music or what, like, so the acoustic, obviously that's majority of country music. Like you always see Luke Combs or something like that. Somebody like that playing that type of guitar. And then the electric guitar is more for like, I guess rock or right. whatever. whatever. Um, so what, when you are listening to music, like what, what type of music are you listening to? I, I pretty much listen to everything. Um, country is is a lot of the reason why I like the acoustic more because I can play all the country songs. You can play them on the electric guitar too, but it's not it's not really the same. Um, I don't really listen to rock that much, so when I'm trying to play a rock song, it doesn't it just doesn't hit as well as yeah. the acoustic. For me. Yeah. So but I do. So, so when you're in Tampa, besides going skimboarding all the time, going and trying to fight those waves, going to the beach, what are some other cool things you like doing? Like you go into, you like going to Bucks games, watching Tom Brady, going to the Rays game. I mean, the Rays are a pretty good, pretty good organization, always developing some of those top prospects. So, uh, what are some other cool things you like to do when you're in Tampa, when you're at home in Tampa? I don't go to the Rays games as much as I wish I could because the Rays stadium is so far away from where everyone lives in Tampa. It's just really a pain to go to a game um, unless it's the playoffs. So we go to a lot of the playoff games. Um, and, yeah, we do go to Bucks games. They're not that good this year, but, hey, hey Tom Brady probably should have retired, but yeah. that's just – Would have kept, kept his wife and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have been having such a rough season. But yeah, do, you, do you think – so you said – the the Ray Stadium is kind of far away from where everyone lives in Tampa, and it's kind of hard to go out to games. I mean, right. that's kind of shown when it comes to like attendance within Major League Baseball. I think the Rays are always in the bottom five. Do you think location of their stadium kind of has a reason for that? Like, do you think if their stadium was somewhere else closer to where you guys are at, the attendance would be higher? Hundred percent. And everyone talks about this, like, oh, the Rays fan base is so bad; um, they have no fans. And it's not that. It's really, it's not that. It's that, so Tampa is like over here. Imagine Tampa's here. And then there's a bridge across water, like a eight-mile bridge. And then you have to drive 20 minutes past the bridge to get to the stadium. And so if you don't live on that side of the water, it's really, you don't want to go. 
because everyone is going back across the bridge after the game. So it's like an hour and a half of traffic. Yeah, you're going you're to be, you're going to be stuck on that bad, that bad side of Tampa. Yeah, exactly. And nobody wants to do that. Um, so that's why the attendance is so low. There's a huge push to move the race to Tampa, their stadium. Um, but the man, the, um, the owners just keep brushing it off. I think they're actually developing a plan with the city to do that. And it looks really cool. Um, the concept for it, but if that does happen, I promise you the attendance will be so much different because we have the bucks and the lightning and both of those teams, the attendance is perfect. Like, yeah, issue with attendance for those teams but the rays because they're all the way in st pete they're not even in tampa um that's that's okay well i mean let's let's i mean let's hope that they get that change and they go they move somewhere because i mean i like that rays organization like i'm a cubs fan but no i mean rays do a great job at developing talent i mean you see all these players that they bring in on on such cheap i mean they're they're i mean they're basically today's version of Moneyball, but they're just doing a better job i mean Billy Bean never really made a World Series or anything, and the Rays already have. But no, I mean that Rays organization is pretty pretty damn good. So, I mean, no, I I mean I'd like to see them get better attendance, get a better stadium. Considering Tropicana Field's not the, I mean, pretty pretty crappy stadium. So it'd be nice to see them move and kind of get a better stadium, get some more attendance going. But yeah. um, no, awesome. just, just down to a couple of last questions here for you. Um, I've been kind of digging in more to like the personal side of things, like I said, uh, when it comes to just off the field stuff. I'm at a 2% here, by the way. Okay. I got three questions. We can right. hopefully, hopefully knock them out. Um, so when it, when it comes to motivations, so what's it, what is it that motivates you just to get up every day, win the day and kind of just continue on with life and just kind of kick an ass in a way? Man. Um, I just feel like I, I really owe it to myself and my parents, like all the hard work that we have all put in. Like, I just got to keep, keep going keep getting better. Like it's all going to pay off. You keep working hard. Um, I have big goals. I want to get drafted. I want all these things, but I really have to work for that if I want it. So um, that's, that's the big motivation for me. It's just, just keep getting better every single day. It's fun to, you know, really get into a grind and fall in love with it. It it's really, it's, it's awesome. It's a great feeling to see yourself get better too. Yes. Um, so, yeah. All right, so let's say all those goals, all those goals, all those dreams come true. Um, you continuously work hard every day, keep getting better, um, and everything goes right. Perfect picture in your of your life in twenty years. So I'm gonna assume what, like you're 36, 37, 38 at that point. Twenty years from now, what what is like the perfect picture of of what your life looks like? Oh man, I mean, I feel like everyone would say this, but I mean, playing the MLB, nothing would, nothing's better than that. Um, yeah, I mean, getting, getting a nice contract, that would be, that would be sick. That's the dream. Okay. I mean, I think I've asked like eight guys this now, and I think, I mean, I think seven out of eight guys have said that. So I might have to, I might have to change it to perfect picture in 30 years and just kind of you know, like stump everybody and see, see what they say. Uh, but no, but down, down to that last question, this is a question I've been asking. I've been ever since I kind of started the podcast and get, got ball players on. Um, so when you head to USF here in a couple of years, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. I'm sure it's something that you've probably seen before with some of your athletes that you look up to. Uh, but no, once that, once you do get that opportunity, what would be a dream brand that you would love to endorse or collaborate with in some sort of way? Man, that's a, that's a hard one because there's a lot of great brands that you could get a deal with. Um, I really like Adidas cleats. So Adidas would be amazing. That would be sick. Or um, Pro Wilson because they're gloves. I I use Wilson. I like. I prefer Wilson over Rawlings. Okay. So yeah. So I like Wilson. So so pro- them. That would be awesome too. Um, I know that's that's like those are big. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you, and you can't go wrong with that. Obviously, I say dream brand. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with a Wilson, a Rawlings, Nike, Adidas, whatever. I mean, I know I get I get those answers a lot. So, I mean, do I tell people to choose something besides that? Yeah, sometimes. But no, I mean, those, I mean, all, all those brands are great brands to be a part of. I had a, I had a guy today tell me earlier. Um, I, well, I get Lululemon all the time. Lululemon, for some reason, people talk about that all the time. Um, I had some guy, it was like, oh man, I can't remember. It was like the rarest thing, like something that was just like, just 
like off the walls crazy, but it was cool. Um, well, one was Jordan. That was another cool one just because, I mean, it's like sort of like Nike, but just a little bit different of uh, being like a Jordan athlete in baseball, like Derek Jeter. Um, but no, there, I mean, I get some cool answers. I mean, I get a lot of, like, like I said, a lot of Lululemon, a lot of Nike, Adidas, uh, but no, um, man, that's all, that's all the questions I got for you. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you reaching out whenever that was. I mean, what, I think it was like August or September, maybe even before that. Um, and I know I was getting you on the podcast. It's just took a while. Schedule's been jam packed. Um, but no, just really appreciate you coming on the show. Want to wish you the best of luck as you head into your junior, senior year at A3, go to USF, potentially go play pro ball, hopefully as well. Um, so man, just the best of luck with that. I'll definitely be following and uh, just thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.